now presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by Chip Jug. Hey, it's my uh, privilege to introduce to you a dear friend of mine. His name is Chip Judd. He's a marriage and family counselor. Uh, went to the Citadel, if you any Citadel fans out there. He is an executive pastor at Seacoast Church in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, they have, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 campuses. They're just reaching the state of South Carolina. And, uh, and so he is uh, a counselor to Melissa and myself, and he and his wife are a dear friend. And I'm really excited about what God's going to use him to do today in your life. So open Open your heart and join me this morning, giving him your best welcome. All right. Y'all doing all right this morning? All right. If you didn't get notes and you want some, you're probably going to want them because we're going to do some fill in the blank stuff. But if you didn't get them and want them, raise your hand and there should be some folks to hand them out to you. Hold them up. They're going to get them. Put them back down for a second. I'll I'll tell you when to put them back up. All right. We've been uh, coming back. We've been coming in and out of your uh, church here, Generation Church. Okay. Raise your hands back up if you want notes. There you go. Um, Colin and I have been friends of your pastors for about four years-ish, something like that. And for the first couple, uh, we probably came a couple, two, three times a year. I don't know. And then we went on staff at Seacoast. We've only been on staff there for about, uh, it'll be two years this January. And... Um, Quite honestly, I'm working the hardest I've ever worked in my entire life and having a blast. We get to spend a lot of time around young leaders and, and just, uh, you know, just, it's just fun. But it has put a little crimp in my ability to travel and connect. But we're, uh, we, we love the connection we have with you guys. We love watching what's happening, the growth. And I mean the growth both in quantity and quality. Say yes if you understand what I'm saying. I mean, your, your, your leaders are growing as people. I mean, your, the worship team, thumbs up, your tech guys. You guys are just learning how to do this stuff. And I believe God's going to use you collectively to really bless this area. Everybody got notes that needs them? All right. So what we're going to do this morning is, Pastor mentioned that I'm a marriage and family counselor. I'm also a pastor. I've been both of those for over 30 years now. And um, so I approach things with this kind of mindset. And uh, the way I like to say it is this, you know, back in the day, back in the 80s and 90s, we measured, you know, like if you're really a pastor leading your church where God wanted to go, we measured our effectiveness by what happened in the room, you know, the presence of God and all the cool stuff that could happen. And uh, after a while, I learned that, you know, that's great. And like, I really like that. But I really changed the way I measured my effectiveness, not by what happens in the room, but by what happens outside of the room after you've been here. Say yes, if that made sense. In other words, how many of you agree hanging out with God and each other ought to make us healthier, better people? And so I call it Monday to Saturday Christianity. I love church, love hanging out, love worshiping God. But if it doesn't amount to something different Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're not doing something. So I love to talk from that angle. So I'm going to share a little experience that I had a few weeks ago, four, four, five, six weeks ago. I'm part of the teaching team at Seacoast. And uh, again, only to make a point, I mentioned that it's a large church, like 12,000 people. So when you speak, it's a kind of a big deal. 
You're, 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 you know, impacting those lives. So uh, how many of you ever had something in your head and you watched it play out a certain way and then when it happened, it didn't come out the way you planned? You ever had that happen to you? Well, here it is. It's my turn to speak. And um, it was what we call a standalone. And what that means is it wasn't a series. It was a one standalone Sunday between series. So the cool thing is I could talk on anything I wanted to. And, you know, not that I'm lazy or anything, but I just said, oh, man, I'll just pick this sweet spot and I'll talk about stuff that's really my heart's full of and I read books about it all the time. And I just had it all worked out. I enjoyed the week. We had this message planning and prep process and I enjoyed the week getting my notes all together. And I mean, I had this thing, oh, this is going to be good. Well, part of our process, if you're speaking on the weekend... Thursday afternoon at 2 o'clock, you go into the worship center, and the worship center seats about 1,500 people. And you go into this room that seats 1,500 people, mic'd up, you're going to do everything you normally do, and you preach your message. Now, you don't just say, well, I'm going to talk about this, and I'm going to talk about No, 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 no. You preach the message the same way you're going to preach it on the weekend. But in a room that seats 1,500 people, there's about 10 people sitting there. And you got to preach it like you believe it. And then when you're finished, about half of them are part of the teaching team. Some of them are the tech guys. Some of them are the creative people. And when you're finished, what do you think they do? They kind of critique your message. So I'm doing my thing. You know, none of us like it. It's just painful. We call it waterboarding. I mean, it's just painful. Because you got to preach to this empty room and these people are looking at it. They're on their phones texting, you know, and you're like, whatever. So I'm doing my thing. How many of you think you're probably sensitive enough to figure out when you've lost everybody? So I'm up here doing my thing, and, you know, it feels like there's sandpaper in my mouth, and I'm, it's just like, and there's this one guy sitting right in the center right here. He's from Switzerland, and we're, he's getting ready to plant a church, and we're going to help him plant a church. Great guy, great guy, but he just doesn't hide what he's feeling very well. So I can tell I've lost everybody. And halfway through my message, this guy literally goes like this. <laughs> and so if I was wondering if I lost everybody, I wasn't wondering anymore. Now, here's the problem. You can't stop. Because they're t they wanna, we're timing it. And if it's broken, they've got to hear the whole message so they can kind of help me fix it. So even though I know it's off the rails and it's bleh, I got to finish it. Oh, it was painful. It was so painful. So, you know, I finish up and, you know, time out, guys. I know I lost you guys, blah, blah, blah. So we talk about it. And, you know, these are nice people. We do rib each other a little bit. But we're nice people. And they kind of, they, they knew it was not good. I knew it was not good. So call my wife afterwards and she says, well, how'd run through go? And she could already hear it in my voice. I said, eh, not too good. And uh, I said, I'm going to go ahead and hang up here, hang around up here at the church and, you know, take an hour or two and see if I can start reshaping this thing and, you know, fix it. So I hang up at the church and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling too bad, but um, I just know I'm not going to have the relaxed weekend I thought because I basically have to rework my entire message. So I get home and, you know, we're talking and thinking and whatever, and s somehow out of nowhere, my chest starts to feel tight. My extremities start to tingle. My thoughts begin to race. 
How many of you ever had racing thoughts? Were they ever nice to you? I have these racing thoughts and they're saying awful things to me. And it's just, it's terrible. I'm crying. I mean, I'm having a meltdown right in front of my wife. And she's not seen me that way a whole lot. And I'm just falling apart. And here's what one of the racing thoughts is saying to me. This is going to happen to you on stage this weekend. You're going to feel just like you feel right now. And I am like imploding. And I'm like, baby, I just, I don't think I can speak this weekend. I don't think I can do it. Now, my wife did the most wisest, most beautiful thing you can do in that situation. And what she says is, dude, I love you. If this crazy life we're in right now is too much, we'll move back to Pauly's Island and we'll just chill out. We'll make enough money. It isn't worth it. Anybody know what the next word was? But I believe you can do this and God will help you. And I am, I am bad. I'm in a bad place. So we finally talk and I said, well, darling, I, I hate to call. And here's, a, here's how it gets worse. The senior pastor's out of the country. I'm going through the teaching team. His son just had a baby like the day before. The, another guy in the teaching team is moving that weekend. Like there's nobody on deck that can pull this off. And I'm thinking this is bad. So I said, well, let's just sleep on it. See if I feel any better in the morning. How many of you ever w awakened anticipating something? And you know what I mean when I say, I woke up and I cracked one eye to see if it was waiting for me. So I wake up and I crack one eye and I think I made it about three minutes and my chest started to tighten. My extremities started to tingle. My thoughts began to race in a horrible fashion. Anybody know what was happening to me? What do you call that? I was having an anxiety attack. Now we're going to talk about all the things that, that cause those. But here's, let me just read some of the symptoms that I was experiencing. A sense of impending doom. A strong feeling of fear. Racing fearful negative thoughts. An inability to calm myself down. I just, I just couldn't do it. Tingling sensations, tightness in the chest. I felt ambushed, helpless, afraid, irrational, embarrassed, ashamed, and trapped like it would never end. It was awful. Off they went. Now, here's what's really interesting. If they'll put up here the title of my sermon for the week. I was going to minister on managing your emotions. I'm a counselor. I'm known as Dr. Chill. I'm just really laid back. Here I am getting ready to minister on managing your emotions, and I'm having an anxiety attack. Now, do I think God caused the anxiety attack? No. How many of you are pretty good at getting yourself in trouble? How many of you don't need a whole lot of help? Right? So God didn't put me there, but how many of you think it's pretty odd coincidence that it happened this week. So what did I, you know, what was I thinking as I started to kind of come out of that? Because what happened is we did decide to go ahead and speak and 
you know, my wife's support, a dear friend of mine that I called who basically said the same thing she did. And then somewhere that we went for bike ride that Friday and I decided, because what my wife basically said was this, I love you, I'll support any decision you make, but I believe God will be there for you. And I thought, okay, 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 okay. I'm going to go on your faith because I don't have any right now. So we went for a bike ride, whatever. And someplace in that day Friday, things started to calm down. And I started to think about, you know, this is pretty weird that this happened this week. Now, let me read to you a few things that I wrote down as I was coming back to being myself. The truth is, I was going to address the topic of managing your emotions from a place of safe and consistent victory. I was going to give information and insights from years of studying and experience, but it was not going to come with the intense insight that I've had in the past in my own journey and that I just revisited this week. You know what God showed me? I was experiencing what I was experiencing because I had stopped doing all the things he had taught me and that we're actually going to talk about today. So what did I get out of it? He kind of showed me a couple of things. One was I had some unprocessed toxic emotions connected to situations I was pretending didn't bother me. Some loved ones and friends had gone through some things or were going through some things that were really weighing on my heart, but I was kind of living in denial. Say yes if you know what I'm talking about. I was just kind of pretending it would get on my mind and I'd push it aside and go on. But it was really bothering me. Another thing he said to me, listen to this one now, I was not being honest with myself or with him about some disappointments over the years and how they'd affected my trust in him. What are you talking about? One of the biggest. I had a dear friend of mine named Jack Frost. Some of you may have known him. He had a ministry on the Father's love. And God was using him to help hundreds, if not thousands of people, learn to receive and rest in the Father's love. God was using him amazingly. Cancer. We fought for a year. We had half the planet praying for him. And we buried my friend. Now, I'm not mad at God. But you know what? I don't get it. I don't get it. And don't dare think he didn't have faith. How many of you have a file? I have a file. And I put stuff in the file. And here's what, what it is. God, I'm okay with you. But I'm not okay with this. Could we have a chat about it when I get over there? How many of you have a few things you want to talk to them about? But here's what I didn't realize. It was affecting how I prayed. Someone would come to me for prayer and I'd go to pray for him. And I, and I realized I wasn't praying with the same confidence and boldness. It had affected me and I wasn't being honest with myself. And then the third thing he showed me was I wasn't honoring the way he created us and me specifically by, uh, by living in a way that stewarded my life rhythms and energy. Here's the deal. I'm a pretty laid back guy. 
I, 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 if you give me an afternoon to do nothing, you know what I'm going to do? Nothing. And you know what? I'm not going to feel the least bit guilty about it. I just, I believe play, play, P-L-A-Y, I believe play is an act of worship. Because when you play properly, what you're saying is, God, you're in charge, I'm not, and everything will be fine if I go over here and play for a few minutes. It's an act of worship by acknowledging everything is not hanging on you. I'm going to thank God for that one. So I realized that I had stopped doing some of the rhythmic things that honored the way God had made me. And he made me this laid back, I don't like to hurry, I, you know, he just made me this way. Guess what I, you know, remember what I am, I'm a counselor. How many of you would want to go to a counselor who's looking at his watch, patting his foot? Come on, I got, I, dude, I get you. Here's a, na- here's a napkin, cry a little bit. I got to go, man, hurry. How many of you would want to go to a counselor like that? Well, I'm not like that. You get in front of me and we start talking, dude, I got all day. What's up? What's going on? <laughs> you know, I got an appointment, but they'll wait. Let's talk. Now, here's the deal. God made me this way so that people feel comfortable talking to me. And you know what? I'm okay with that. But I had stopped doing the things that we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. So why am I sharing all this with you? Two reasons. One, let me read this because I wrote this down that day. Why do I want to share this? Because there's individuals and families here today in this room that are being affected by issues and emotions and they need to know we are here for them. Yes, if you agree. More importantly, that God hasn't forgotten them and he's here for them. Yes, if you agree. They're carrying burdens and enduring struggles that involve children, parents, finances, and health that drain their emotional and spiritual resources. They often feel isolated, helpless, and ashamed. I want to make sure they know they're not isolated, helpless, and they don't need to feel ashamed. Say yes if you're with me. The second reason I wanted to do this is to share what we're going to share. And this is in your notes. We're going to talk about some very, very practical things. i got a couple that's going to come up here and help me. And we're going to talk about some really practical stuff that will help you learn to manage your emotions in a healthier way. And um, what they're going to do, this is Billy Bob and Mary Lou. Now, I know that's not their name. But everything we're going to say after they get done, everything we're going to say comes out of what you're going to watch up here. And I hope I'll help you connect to that. But to set this up, Billy Bob's driving home. And what he's going to read is what he's thinking. He's not saying it out loud, but he's going to read it so that you can get a window into his soul. This is what he's saying to himself driving home from work. I'm so tired of working so hard and not being recognized for it. My boss don't appreciate me. I'm spending longer hours at work and have less to show for it. I'm going to start doing just enough to get by just like everybody else. All right. How's he feel walking in the door? Is he just a ray of sunshine coming home to his wife and kids? How many of you guys, be honest, how many of you have a favorite chair? Raise your hand if you've got a favorite chair. All right, ladies, what's right next to your man's favorite chair? The remote control. Nobody ever gets that wrong. 
So what does Billy Bob do? He comes home and he's blah. He drops in his chair, turns on the TV and zones out. Now, Mary Lou, she does not say what she's about to read out loud. She's thinking it or saying it to herself. There he goes again, straight to the TV to zone out. I can't believe he's so selfish. Doesn't he realize the kids and I need some time and attention? I am not going to put up with this any longer. He better start appreciating me. All right, how's she feeling? Is she just a bundle of joy and happiness? Is, is, do they have a great evening ahead of them? Are they going to put an X on the calendar this night? You know what I'm saying? No, I don't think so. So, so, so a little bit later, here's Billy Bob and what he's saying, remember, to himself. None of this was out loud. So watch what Billy Bob's saying to himself. Here we go again. Now I've got to listen to Mary Lou tell me all the things I'm not doing for her and the kids. I'm not appreciated anywhere. She should understand I work hard and I'm drained when I get home. I just need some space to regroup, recharge my batteries. All right. All right, let me ask you a million-dollar question. Not having a good evening, not going where they hoped it would go. Who did that to them? They did it to themselves. They did it to themselves. Now, if y'all would, hang those around yourself. How many of you agree that it's creepy if somebody gets too close to talk to you? (laughs) You ever had somebody do that? And it's just like, dude, what's up with you? Here's a mint, by the way, you know? So here's the deal. How many of you would agree that we all have like a space around us that's kind of like, you know, dude, this is my personal space. How about just stay out of it, right? All right, so imagine everybody in the room has a hula hoop hanging around. Everybody, you right now, me, them, all of them. Billy, Bob, Mary Lou, all right? Now, I've asked Billy Bob to say something to precious Mary Lou. Woman, you make me mad. I didn't say the woman part. That was Billy Bob. All right, what did he just do? You make me mad. All right, here's the deal. Everything inside Billy Bob's circle is Billy Bob's responsibility. Everything inside your circle is your responsibility. Everything inside Mary Lou's circle is Mary Lou's responsibility. Where is Billy Bob's anger? Inside his circle. Who's responsible for everything inside his circle? Billy Bob. What did he do? You make me mad. What he just did was make her responsible for his anger. Now, here's the dangerous part. Whether you want to or not, mean to or not, want it, hope it, whatever. Here's three things that always travel together and always in this order. Responsibility, authority, and power. So when you give someone responsibility, whether you mean to or not, you give them the authority and power. So Billy Bob says, you make me mad. He's making her responsible for his anger, but what is he also giving her? The authority and power to control him. She says, you make me sad. Where's her sadness? Inside her circle. Who's responsible for everything inside her circle? Here's where it gets interesting. You can spend your entire life making other people, parents, children, spouse, friends, sibling, coworkers, boss, employees, 
church, pastor. You can make all kinds of people responsible for your emotions. And you're going to feel powerless for the rest of your life. Thank you, guys. All right, let's look at your notes real quick. All right, the first thing you've got to learn to do is own your emotions. They're inside your circle. This is in your notes. Own your emotions. Look at this verse, this cool scripture in Proverbs 16, 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Now, here's what I hear in that verse. God's saying that I'm as proud of you if you can manage the person sitting in your chair as I would be if you led an army and captured an enemy stronghold. In other words, God's putting self-management on the same level as a vic- leading a victorious army into battle. How many of you agree it's a big deal to learn to manage yourself? I just have crazy thoughts. How many of you think one of the effects of walking with God ought to be that we're nicer people? I mean, is that too much to ask? Over time, we just gradually, incrementally become nicer people. Now, I'll give you a break. It doesn't have to happen instantly and automatically. And, but it'd be nice if it sort of was moving that direction. You've got to reject a victim mindset. Here's the thing about victim mindset. A victim always believes the cause or source of their problem is outside of themselves. And if I believe the cause or source of my problem is outside of me, then guess what I feel? Powerless to do anything about it. And you know what I've learned? You can't make me feel anything without my cooperation. You can't make me feel bad about myself unless I agree with you. You can come up to me after the message today and say, dude, that was was stupid. You're just a lousy speaker. I can't believe you got a job doing this. Now, guess what? What determines whether that bothers me is not that you said it, it's what I do with it. Say yes if I'm making any sense. That can be as close as my wife. My wife inside her circle can be having a bad day. I can go over to her circle and knock and say, baby, you appear to be having a stormy day in there. Can I be of assistance? Leave me alone. Now, I can go over here and say, well, I'm going to be over here having a sunny beach day. If I can help, let me know. You follow me. Or I can say, well, you made me sad. And now I'm sad. Did she do that to me or did I do that to me? I did that to me. Freedom comes from taking responsibility. Bondage from giving it away. All right, the second thing you can learn to do is don't let the ants ruin your picnic. Don't let the ants ruin your picnic. And we'll talk about what the ants are in just a second. What's the working relationship between thinking, feeling, and acting? Billy Bob driving home. He's thinking to himself all these negative blah thoughts. He feels blah. He walks in the door, drops in the chair, flicks on the TV, zones out. Who did that to him? He did. Look at these verses, one in Proverbs and one in Romans. Proverbs 23, as he or she thinks within himself, so he or she is. How many of you agree thinking 
is really talking to yourself, right? So what this is saying is the way I'm talking, thinking slash talking to myself affects the way I am, the way I feel, the way I act. Look at this one in Romans. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think or talk to yourself. What am I trying to say? How many of you agree that the tendency is to think negative thoughts before positive? Say yes if you agree with that. When life kind of bumps you or squeezes you, how many of you have kind of a negative tape that starts playing? Mine would be stuff like this. Well, you're lazy. Well, of course it shouldn't come out well. You didn't pray hard enough. You didn't work hard enough. You didn't do your homework like you should. What makes you think you should succeed? You're such a loser. How many of you agree that almost all of us have this radio station playing in the background of our soul and it's almost always negative? Say yes if you agree with that. All right, ants are automatic negative thoughts. Automatic negative thoughts. Now, one of the most powerful things God's taught me is 2 Corinthians 10. Weapons of our warfare, not carnal, but mighty through God, the pulling down of strongholds. We take every thought, what? Captive. Whoa, wait a minute. We take every thought. What does that mean? A thought that goes across my mind, I grab it by the throat. You're lazy and you'll never amount to anything. I grab it. And I've learned to ask a thought. You're lazy and you'll never amount to anything. I grab the thought and I ask it. Where did you come from and where are you going? Where are you taking me? You know where you're lazy and you never amount to anything came from? My father. My father said that to me. But you know what's interesting? My father said it about five times. I've heard it hundreds or thousands of times. If he only said it five who said it all those other times? I did. I did. Do you realize that at some point in your verbal abuse, you become your own abuser? And you know what I learned? I can stop. I can stop saying lousy things about myself. You know what's one of the most powerful things I learned? I can say nice things to myself about myself. And I learned to say about me what God says about me. And I do have a little bit of bad news for you guys. I'm his favorite. So get over it. How many of you want to love what he loves? Hate what he hates? Value what he values. Cherish what he cherishes. You want to do that? How about yourself? How about yourself? You realize he loves you, values you, cherishes you? How good are you at that? How good are you at that? How good are you at looking in the mirror and saying, you all right, dude. You all right. How good are you looking in the mirror and saying, you know, if I was your friend, I think I'd like you. <laughs> or how many of you have this tape playing in the background that just lists 
Blah, 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 blah. I don't know why anybody likes me. Here's the deal. Nobody can stop that tape but you. Say yes if you're still here. Third thing you can learn to do. All of this stuff I had stopped doing. Third thing is slow down regularly. Quiet yourself on the inside and the outside. How many of you know it's getting harder and harder to do that? What if you just took five to 15 minutes a day and just got quiet in the presence of God? Not your intercessory list. Not your, I need this, I need that, I need the other. Not God, forgive me for this, forgive me for that. How many of you'd want to spend time with somebody that every time they came told you all they did wrong? How many of you'd look forward to that? God, here I come. By the way, I'm sorry to that, I'm sorry to that, I'm sorry to that. I mean, God's probably like, gee, please give me a break. I was there when you did it. I don't need to hear about it again. What if we just came and believed he likes us? which would be a big one for most of us. And what if you started practicing having five to 15 minutes a day that you just sat in the presence of God and let him love you? Let him minister to you. Let him discharge all the negative energy from the day. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. Be still. We, in our culture, we celebrate activity. We need to celebrate stillness. We need to celebrate stillness. Let me give you two practical ways to do that. Meditative prayer. You can call it reflective prayer if you want. What does that mean? What I was talking about a minute ago. Just times in the presence of God where you just chill. You don't bring anything and you don't want anything but him and chill. The second thing you could do, and this is going to sound so simple to you, but I virtually guarantee you that if you will do this, it will make an immense difference in your life. Here's the gratitude exercise. Three times a day for three weeks. Three times a day for three weeks. You stop wherever you are and think of three things you're grateful for in that context. So you wake up in the morning. God, I thank you for my beautiful, wonderful wife. God, I thank you for the coffee she just brought me. God, I thank you for this cool book you're allowing me to read. Later, you're at work, and you're, you stop. God, um, um, we have pretty bathrooms. <laughs> Maybe it's harder at work. I don't know. But what if you made yourself think of three things you're grateful for? Then later that night, you're at home. What if you ended every day? thinking about three things that happened that day that you're grateful for. Now, what's the point? How many of you agree we have a negativity bias to our thoughts? Doing this pushes it over here. Wouldn't it be cool if you got better at noticing good stuff? Wouldn't it be cool if you got better at noticing good stuff than you are bad stuff? I beg you, please try that. I beg you, you'll be, you'll be shocked. Last thing, build a loving support system and get the help that you need. Build a loving support system. You have small groups here. I guarantee you, look at the first point, the healing power of community. I believe this, if you committed to be involved with a group, small group of people that are reasonably healthy, 
on a regular basis and you did nothing else different, you would still get healthier. I'm going to say it again. If you committed to be involved with a reasonably healthy group of people on a regular basis for a consistent period of time, if you changed nothing else in your life, you would get healthier. Why? God created you to need community. Next one, find someone to talk to. Professional if necessary. Preferably somebody maybe a little wiser or further down the road than you are. But just someone you can talk to. And then the last thing I want to mention to you in this area of emotion is occasionally medication is needed. Dude, why in the world are you bringing that up? Because I think we've handled this one pretty poorly. How many of you have a stomach? How many of you have kidneys? How many of you have a heart? Lungs, right? Those are all, what I just named, they're all organs of your body that have specific jobs to do. How many of you know occasionally they don't do their job correctly? Say yes if you agree. Well, guess what? Your brain is an organ, and occasionally it doesn't do its job correctly. I take Prilosec for my stomach. I take Zocor for my cholesterol. Now, some of you are thinking, dude, if you just eat better, you wouldn't need that. Well, you're probably right. But here's the deal. We don't think it's weird, but somebody comes up to you and confidently shares, man, I take blah, blah, blah for my depression. And your answer is, well, brother, I just believe if you prayed more, you wouldn't need that. Now, if I ever hear you say that, I'll poke you in the eye and pull your hair. I'll slap you. How dare we make the complication of journeying through life so black and white and simple. I promise you there's people in this room right now that are either on some medication or need to be. I say that with no reservation. Didn't mean it to be funny, but I could see how it could be. But here's the deal. Are we going to be a safe place for people to get what they need in their journey? And the church typically has had a bad attitude in this area. And I think we need to work on it. Philippians 4, let's close with this thought. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace, the God of peace will be with you. I want to pray for you, but let me ask you a question. How many of you in this room know someone, family member, loved one, friend, associate, somebody in your sphere of knowledge? How many of you know someone that's struggling with some emotional response cycle or pattern that they really need God's help. Raise your hand if you know somebody. And it might be you. Well, let me pray for you and them. Father, in Jesus' name, we believe Jesus when he said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And we believe that includes our emotional well-being. And God, I pray for every person that was included 
in that question, whether they're in this room, connected to people in this room, or, or friends or associates. God, we pray that you would come to them, encourage them, minister to them, supernaturally heal them. But just as importantly, God, make us a safe place for them to find you, walk with you, grow in you, and learn to navigate life in the area of their emotions. Father, I pray for Ben and Melissa as they lead this church. I pray that you give them the grace and the wisdom to make this a safe place for people learning how to allow God to help them manage their emotions. And we thank you for it, sir. Bless this wonderful church family. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Wasn't that good? Hey, we always want to give you an opportunity to connect with the Lord. And so um, if you're here today and your relationship with God is either non-existent or maybe it has um, fallen by the wayside, it's grown cold. I just want to take a minute and just give you an opportunity just to connect with God. So if you would just close your eyes, bow your head. Just you and the Lord, just take a minute and just... Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. And as we work on our relationships and our emotions, the the first relationship has to be the one with Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you don't have that relationship with Jesus and God's tugging on your heart, I want to give you the opportunity to make that relationship come into being. I'm not here to answer all of your questions. I wouldn't pretend to even begin to know where to start. All I'm here to do is just help you respond to what God is doing as he tugs on your heart. If you'll respond to that tug, God will begin to answer those questions. So if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or your relationship is not where it needs to be, And you know he's tugging on your heart. Just look up at me. Just look up here at me. Thank you, ma'am. Who else? Just look up here at me. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Your relationship with God is either non-existent or it's strained, you're in a struggle with it. You need to recenter, refocus. You need to get that relationship back on track. As I look across the audience one more time, just look at me real quick. Thank you, sir. pray together this morning. Say this with me. Say, Father God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I ask you to come live inside of me. Forgive me for all of my wrong and release me into a healthy relationship with my Father and with your sons and daughters.
In Jesus' name, amen.